are in week two of Vintage Christmas. And I would love just to, to encourage you to grab your, your notes and, and follow along is that, that I want to talk about the topic of generosity, but I want to do it for seeing generosity through the Christmas story. Something that as we hit it, the month of December, we are in uh, Christmas season, and we are, we are talking about um, all the festivities that come with Christmas, right? We're, we're already, we had our kickoff last night. Many of you were there to help celebrate and just uh, enjoy the time. And after Thanksgiving, most of us, we, we decided to get the lights and the tree and we get everything decorated and, and we'll get ready for this month that then just flies by. And come January, we're like, what happened? And a lot of us have memories and talking about vintage Christmas and thinking that there's certain things that, that mark specific Christmases for us and, and certain traditions and certain things that you do in your home. For, for, for us, you know, we, of course, always have a Christmas tree, and my wife's already done it with all of our Christmas shopping. They're already wrapped. Um, we, I, you can pray for me. Man, my wife does not, there is no slacking in last minute procrastination. She's on it, and I make sure the rest of the family's on it. And so, and so there's things that we look forward to, seeing our, you know, the stockings that go you know, over the fireplace and so forth, but we always have a nativity scene. Because though I love the lights and I love the Christmas tree, it's important for our house to have a nativity scene. How many of you have a nativity scene that, that you set up in your house? Yeah, a good number of you. Because that, that's the thing that continues to remind us of what Christmas is really about. And for, for, for me, it's just a great reminder as, as we set that up every year, just that, that, that other things are so nice, but it really is all about what happened that day in the birth of our Savior, Jesus. And it's all about Jesus. Now, we've gone through several uh, nativity scenes because we, we are um, a family that is not, we're, we're like a bull in a china shop. In fact, just this week, um, I, I was playing fetch with a dog, and on the thousandth throw uh, across the room, I knocked the donkey off the shelf, and, and now he's missing an ear. And, but I gotta tell you, when I went to try to glue it back together, I noticed that the head was already been glued back together. So, <laughs> so I'm thinking we need to get away from porcelain and maybe go with the wood ones uh, in the future. But I wanna talk to you um, about um, how do we see generosity in that scene for Christmas? And... And again, again, there's no Christmas story, obviously, without the different characters that, that made up that nativity scene. And, and Mary is one of the key figures in that scene. Mary, the mother of Jesus, one of the most recognized people in the Bible. And we all hear about Mary and, her, and, and just her story, the miraculous uh, a birth of Jesus, and a woman who was of courage, and a woman of strength, and of tenacity, woman of immense faith. And there are so many powerful lessons that we can, that we can learn um, through Mary's life and her story, but I'd like us just to ponder the gift that she gave in that Christmas scene, and that is Mary gave the gift of her future. That's her first fill-in. She gave the gift of her future. Now, how many of you as boys and girls ha had dreams and aspirations of what life was gonna be like when you grew up, right? I mean, I would hope that most of us don't just kind of wander through life and whatever happens, happens. We have dreams and we have aspirations and we have goals. 
And we think about what it's gonna be like when I'm married, what it's gonna be like when I have kids, what's gonna be like when I have my own house, what's it gonna be like when I have my own car, what's, what's, gonna, what's life gonna be like when I don't have to listen to my mom and dad anymore? We all have those dreams. We all have plans as we're growing up for our future. Now, according to ancient Jewish custom, they say that Mary was between 12 and 14 years old when she became pregnant with Jesus. And so as a parent of a 14-year-old right now who just went to winter formal and we had that conversation of what not touching and holding hands and dancing with, you know, making sure that you're keeping the distance and all that, no bumping and grinding and all that, I can't imagine what it would be like for my 14-year-old to be, to be walking into adulthood, as we say now, of having a child. But think about the dreams and aspirations that Mary had as a young girl. Luke chapter one, you know, she's visiting with her Aunt Elizabeth and, and an angel comes to her and it really begins to speak about what's foretelling what's to come and Mary was confused and disturbed and she tried to think of what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. You have found favor with God and you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus and he will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I am a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God, for the word of God will never fail. And I love Mary's response. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May everything that you have said about me come true. Other versions say that her words were, let it be. All the hopes and aspirations and dreams of this young girl, and through a, through a conversation with an angel, you gotta imagine how much her mind was just blown. Never could she have conceived and, 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 and been able to think about what the Lord had told her was going to happen. All of her plans, all of her dreams, the whole complete trajectory of her life changed in that moment. Now while Ma Mary held great honor and her calling also required, just so you know, and we all can realize this, great suffering. Though there was joy in motherhood, there was also great pain in the privilege of being the mother of the Messiah. But I love that Mary responded to God with great obedience and submission to his plan. Here's the action step that I want you just to think through for a moment. What plans do you need to give to God? Because we all have plans. We all have our own ideas and our own aspirations and our own, our own goals. In fact, we come into the Christmas season and, and, and we all have our specific things in which, you know, I want to check this off and I want to accomplish this and it's before the end of the year and so we have to get this done and, and then we go into January and we do New Year's resolutions and we got our own, our own set of new rules and goals and plans and all these things. We become so overprogrammed and so caught up in what we want 
And if we ever stop to slow down to consider and to listen to the voice of God of the plans that he has, and then maybe his plans may be different than your plans. But I can let you in on a secret. His plans are better than your plans. They're always better. But are we like Mary in which that she responded in complete obedience? Never questioning, but walking the path that God had for. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans that I have for you. God has plans for every one of us today. And the question is, is are you willing to get in sync with those plans this Christmas season? The next character in our scene is Joseph. I really enjoy Joseph. In fact, I, I could have spoke the whole time just on Joseph's life. And yet Joseph's rarely even mentioned in, 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 the, in the scripture. In fact, he's not mentioned after the Christmas story. But Joseph gave up a lot. And the big thing that I'd like us to focus on today is that Joseph gave the gift of his reputation. His reputation. And, and you think that that's, that seems sort of weird and I want to dive into that because I think that for many of us, reputation is something that, that holds value and meaning to our life. We, we want to have a good name. We want to be respected. We, we want to be noticed and, and, and honored for the way in which that we conduct ourselves, the way in which we, that we live and how we speak and how we make our choices and decisions in, in, in our life. Reputation is huge. Matthew 1 says this is how the the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit and she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from all their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophets. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to the son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So much to unpack here. The, the first is the fact that, could you imagine that conversation that took place? Because Mary's the one that told Joseph and how many of you would, would be like, yeah, right? I mean, for some of us, we, we've walked in those really hard, difficult conversations in which you had to come clean, and it can be devastating. 
And so to picture what Mary and Joseph, that conversation must have looked like as she's explaining what the angel told her and how this had happened, and, and, and Joseph probably thinking, yeah, I'm not buying it. Imagine how hard this must have been for Joseph to hear and to believe. He was fully committed to Mary, and yet there's an expectation there that he expected that she was going to be faithful. And to, to discover that she was not was not only crushing personally to him, but very embarrassing publicly. See, after Joseph you know, decided to divorce Mary, that's when the angel of the Lord appeared and came to Joseph in a dream. And he told him to go ahead and to, to marry Mary. And the baby would be the savior to God's people. See, Joseph, I love this, that in scripture you see that he immediately obeyed. And it says he took Mary home to be his wife. In the context of today's culture morality, we might not understand the risk and the sacrifice that Joseph made in that choice. Because by Jewish law and, and through um, Moses' law and what they lived by and they governed life by, what it was said is an adulterous woman was to be put to death through stoning. And so he's got to reconcile as a young Jewish man and what he believes in the, the law and the word and the reputation that he had created a great big problem for him socially in his community. He had to carefully live his life to obey God's command and thereby, and there, and there he had earned the respect of his religious leaders and the men in his community. And yet he still loved his wife, Mary. And so faced with the fact of Mary being pregnant with someone else's child, Joseph's first reaction was what? To embark, to break off the engagement. But still even in that, it said he wanted to be mercy, he wanted to show her mercy and kindness and do it quietly. God asked Joseph to sacrifice his hard-earned reputation for Mary's unborn child. And I love in verse 24, which shows when Joseph, true character, it says that when he woke up, he did what the Lord had commanded him. There was no delay, there was no question, there was no arguing. God asked Joseph to prove his love for his wife and his obedience to God. And what that cost him was his reputation in his community. There's no mention to Joseph, like I said earlier, after the birth of Jesus in scripture. But there is a passage in Mark, in Mark chapter three, that you might just jot down to the side, that gives us some indication of Joseph's loss of reputation. When if you remember, it says in, in, in Mark chapter six, Jesus goes back to his hometown. And he goes to the synagogue to teach, and the, the religious people and all they're, they're astonished by what they're hearing. Who is this man? They question. Isn't this the carpenter boy? Isn't this the, the mother, the son of, of, of Mary? Isn't his bro isn't his brothers James? And, and he lists them out. And what's so fascinating about that passage of scripture culturally is that a son 
a child was never referenced as the mother's child. It was always the father's. And no one in the synagogue mentioned Joseph. They mentioned Mary. This is Mary's boy. And so to think 30 years had passed, the reputation that Joseph must have had in his community is the man that took this woman, his unborn child that wasn't his. Many people for years thought Joseph maybe was weak and had been taken advantage of. And Joseph apparently never regained his reputation, but he quietly lived his life of righteousness because that was more important than having a good reputation in his town. And so today, Joseph receives honor. And as we have hindsight in the story to think about this, the, 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 he, he sacrificed his reputation, but think of what he gained. Righteousness of living out God's purpose for his life. He got to be the earthly father of Jesus. We've all either had our own children or grandchildren or nieces and nephews. There's nothing like kissing your child. He got to kiss the face of baby of Jesus. He got to hold his hand and bring him to temple. He got to sit around and teach him the craft of carpentry. An incredible responsibility. An incredible privilege. So, how does this apply to us? Giving up your reputation meaning it means following in the footsteps of Jesus. Because we live in a culture, we live in a society that is not pro-Jesus. And so maybe it's you saying, you know what, I'm going to stand against that, whatever that is, when you know that that's not of God. Jesus says to his disciples, they're going to hate you because they hate me. And there's too many of us Christ followers who like to be liked over being obedient. We like having that reputation over doing the right thing, saying the right thing, standing for the right thing, for Jesus, for our faith. So the action step is what is it about your reputation that you need to give to the Lord? What is it about that you're so hung up on that maybe you need to set it down and go, it's more important that my reputation, whether the people say things, whether people like me, is that they know what I stand for and I stand for my faith. I stand for my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's talk about the shepherds in the scene. The shepherds, they gave the gift of their time. Time is an incredible commodity. And it's crazy to think about that we all have the same 24 hours in every, single, in every day, and yet it is, always seems like we're trying to squeeze more out of that 24 hours. And they get the gift of their time. And where do I get that? I get that back in our passage in Luke. 
That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, and they were guarding their flock of sheep. When suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and guess what? Like any time an angel shows up, they're terrified. That's going to freak you out. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And when the angel had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village, and they found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. These right here, the shepherds are the first evangelists. In the New Testament, they're the first evangelists that they go and they want to share with everyone what they had seen and what they had heard. Now, how did they give their time? What was so valuable about their time? Well, it said it right there at the top of that passage where they gave, they gave a huge, they took a huge risk because a shepherd's job, their number one job as a shepherd is to guard and protect their sheep. That's how the passage of scripture said that's what they were doing. They were out with their sheep and they were guarding them. They were their protectors. And and it not only represented their own livelihood as shepherds, but oftentimes it it represented that they were responsible for the the shepherding of, of, of the entire community. That was their source of income. That was their commodity. Great responsibility and, and, and life in their village was based on the shepherds protecting and herding and taking care of the sheep. And so they're guarding their flocks. It was a huge sacrifice and a huge risk for them to leave that, to follow and go to a place that they'd only heard about. That took some time to travel. You know, they didn't have the, they didn't have the bullet train. High-speed rail hadn't been con- Invented yet? Oh, it still hasn't. Never mind. Um, sorry, bad joke. No cars, no airplanes. They had two feet. And so it took time to go to Bethlehem. It took time out of what they had planned to do, what they were accustomed to doing, and what, what their job was. And time is a precious gift because we all have a set amount of it. And when you give someone your time, you're giving them a portion of your life that you're never gonna get back. And far too many of us are too stingy and selfish with our time. And this thing that the shepherds had heard about from this angel was so moving and powerful, they left their jobs, their communities, to take the time to travel to see, is it really true? Many of us can't be bothered to walk across the street to give our precious time to our neighbor. And that's why it's such a generous gift that you give someone. Relationship takes time and effort, and I heard this multiple times recently, the best way that you spell love is T-I-M-E. 
gosh, I hope this Christmas you're not going so fast that you're not really slowing down enough to say, how am I using my time? Shane did a great job spelling this out and how this is, works in the family nucleus last week. That your spouse and your children and your loved ones, more than gifts, more than, 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 than all these nice things that we can buy and, and these big fancy dinners that we can cook and, and all this decoration that can happen, People just want you. Your loved ones want you. And so how are you using your time? One of the things that I love about North Point is that the sacrificial giving of your time. There's so many people sitting right here this morning that you, you give of your time. We had a great event last night as we had our, our Christmas kickoff and there's so many uh, incredible stories that, that I heard and that I witnessed watching of people giving them their time. And, and every year we talk about Christmas, and inside your message notes you have your Christmas calendar of events. And I want to encourage you to go to the website and check it out. See how you can get plugged into to the different events and ministry opportunities to serve and to give. You get the QR code on here where you can give a, a, a gift, and we need gifts. And it's so cool, our office is getting filled up with gifts toys from your generosity and they have an Amazon link right there that you can, from the comfort of your own little couch in your nice toasty home, you can get a present that's going to bless and bring a great big smile to a child's face. But we also have serve opportunities and, 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 and we wanna, when you go to the website, scroll all the way down past all the information and you'll get to how can I sign up? Because there's something, there's something I'm telling you that is life-changing when you come to the event and it's gonna be right here on our campus and you get to see these, these families come through and you get to help them Christmas shop and you get to interact and you get to see the smile on their faces and you get to see the joy in their family and you get to share the love of Christ. It's a commitment. It's a small amount of time during the week and the evening. It's probably gonna be cold. You probably got a million other things to do but most of the time I'm telling you it's not as important as investing in other people. And so I encourage you to get plugged in and signing up to these, one of these events that we're having here on our campus that, that you be the hands and feet of Jesus. You give of your time. Here's your action step. What, how much time are you willing to give to others? Think about that. How much time? Is it, is it just... You give to others when it fits your schedule and your window? Or do you wake up saying, okay, here's my plans. God, you put your plans in, and however I need to spend my time, God, I'm just, I'm gonna be open and willing. Let's go to the wise men. Now let me burst your bubble. The wise men weren't in the Christmas scene. They just made our nativity, okay? They, they wanted more people to be in, in, uh, in the barn. Actually, the wise men came, you know, it was probably, Jesus was probably one to two years old uh, when, when they finally got there. Um, but they make really cool figurines and they can charge you more for the nativity scene <laughs> by adding three when they said there's probably a lot more than three that showed up. But okay, we will, we'll, we'll talk theology later. The wise men gave the gift of their treasure. There you go. Let's get back on track. Their treasure... 
Of course, you talk about generosity. We're gonna talk about your treasures of what God has blessed and given to you that you give back. Back in our Christmas story, Matthew's, Matthew chapter two says, then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time that the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child and as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too can go and worship him. And you guys know the story is that he really didn't want to worship him. He just wanted to find out where Jesus was because he wanted to kill him. Okay, fast forward. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until they stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in the dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their home country and another route. The primary significance of the gifts that they laid had great value, and we can talk about, and there's lots of messages, and we've done messages here in the past, talking about the significance of the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh. But what I want to point out isn't just what they gave, which had significant value and significant meaning, but the attitude in which they presented it to Jesus. Look at the attitude in the text. First, they fell down, bowing in posture to this young boy, to this young child, maybe not even old enough to walk. And they worshiped him. And then giving him the gift, the the Magi demonstrated the prophetic understanding that they knew who Jesus was. And they worshiped him. And they gave to him. And it says that the, 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 the gifts that they gave, it says they opened up their treasure chest and presented. Now I have a nice little decoration also of you know, gold and frankincense and myrrh that was given to me by a North Pointer. And so that goes out every, every Christmas. But, and it's like a little chest. And literally, that, that's when you read through the history, it says that they brought gifts that they brought they brought their treasure this wasn't trinket this wasn't leftover this isn't like well i got let's just carve off a little gold shave off a little gold right here and we'll give that said they gave in abundance their treasure how many of us sacrificially give I'm not just talking about you give just, just, just the change, the leftover. Maybe we give, we give the extra that we have or that we've received. But we gave a significant amount that we really felt the weight of the gift. They opened their treasure and they gave. And a treasure is where good and precious things are collected. And so I want to look at this Christmas season and say, are you just giving out of necessity? Maybe even out of guilt? Are you giving out of an attitude of worship? Out of love because you've been loved and you've been blessed? You say, man, I, I want to give. 
I'm so unworthy of all that I've received and all that I've been blessed with that I've got to, in return, give. You guys know Luke 12, 34 tells us, for where your treasure is, your what will be? Your heart. Man, don't you want to be known as a person that, that your treasure and your heart is with giving? of blessing other people. Again, we're talking about your treasure financially uh, and monetarily, but we're also talking about your time and your effort. It's, it's an entire thing of giving yourself and all that I have. Here's the action step. What treasure is God asking you to give him this Christmas season? Or maybe even for 2022 as you plan and this next year. See, if you're holding on to something so tightly that, 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 that God is asking you to release it to him, can I just encourage you, open up your hands. The three wise men, it says they gave their treasure. You don't see this white knuckle like they're like, oh, it's just a baby. What's he gonna do with all the, these nice fine things that are fit for a king, these gifts that are for royalty? What, what? He doesn't need that. It says, no, they gave. They gave. Gosh, I want to be a church that's known just for giving, for loving. Give till it hurts. Give till you till till it till it makes a difference in which you say, "Wow, that, that stung a little." But didn't feel so good about it. Here's the last one. The star of the scene. You can't have a nativity scene without having Jesus. And the whole purpose of the Christmas season and why we celebrate every year because he gave us the ultimate gift and that's the gift of salvation. The greatest gift you can ever receive is the gift of salvation and it's my hope and my prayer that if you have not received that gift, that today's the day. This Christmas will be different than any other Christmas that you've ever experienced because this is the day that, that you understood the whole reason for the season. The whole purpose behind Christmas, which was that Jesus came and God sent his son to, to become human to live a life as we've read and we see that he suffered and he hung on his cross to raise three days later so that we can have relationship. If you spent time in church, you probably have heard the word salvation many times, but I want to make sure that we're all clear that salvation is a gift. See, if you ask hundreds of people on the sidewalk about, you know, what is it, what do you have to do to get to heaven? You're going to hear a variety of answers, and you're going to hear answers like people summarizing, well, you know, i got to live a good life. i got to try to do good and, and, and be my best. i got to work really hard at being a moral person. i got to do more good things than bad things. And those are answers that give the indication that you really don't understand what salvation is, because salvation is a gift that cannot be earned, it cannot be bought. It's given. 
and it's given freely to us because it cost him everything. All these ideas that other people say, it's based on, on works. Don't understand the grace that went into this Christmas. The Christmas scene, the baby Jesus in a manger was born for a purpose. The only purpose was for our salvation. So I pray this morning that as you go through the month of December, the celebratory things that are going to happen in your homes and in your workplaces and here on campus, and we celebrate the lights and we enjoy the tree and the hot chocolate and, and uh, lots, of, lots of baked goods, that we truly understand and we don't lose focus on the fact that it's all about Jesus what he did for you and for me. Bow with me in prayer. Father God, oh man, God, I just thank you for everyone that's here. I thank you for your word that doesn't return void. We thank you for your promise that if we believe in you and confess our sin and our brokenness and ask you to come in, that you will be our savior. We thank you that we can be reminded today of the Christmas scene that you sent Jesus as the ultimate gift to us. Talk about generosity. Talk about an incredible gift. There's no gift that compares. So all we have to do is confess our sin, believe, and ask you to come be the Lord and Savior of our life. He says, just like that, it happens. So God, I just pray that if someone here doesn't know you personally, that they would open up their heart to you and their life to you. And they would just ask you to come in and be their Lord and Savior. God, we thank you for the scene. We thank you for the gifts that each one in this nativity scene gave as a great reminder to us of how we live our lives, how we spend our time, how we care about our reputation, how we think about our future. God, that we are just surrendering every part of us to you. We pray these things in your son's holy name. And everyone said, amen.